Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Show and everybody, Seth and Sean Sports Radio here on Blog Talk Radio, and we're talking uh, playoffs. Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, we're talking playoffs here this week. Fantasy football playoffs. Seth and Sean Sports Radio team makes it in by the skin of their teeth, a fourth seed in unfamiliar territory. Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks. Um. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. If we didn't have our top four quarterbacks go down, we probably wouldn't be in this position. But we're not in a terrible place. We're favored. Uh, we're favored this week, and then next week we play that we play a team that's better than us if we can get to that position. But I'll take our chances. And- And last week, we left you, ladies and gentlemen, with the conundrum of absolutely no quarterbacks and a 30-point win. Well, well, what happened on the waiver wire was we did get both Andy Dalton and Delvin Hodges for far more than we, I don't know, should have bid on them, but we got them nonetheless. And a combined 200 out of our $460 um, both for waiver and for draft, have this year been spent on quarterbacks. So basically... Yeah, we spent a lot. And, of course, when you get those two quarterbacks, last week we played with one point from two quarterbacks. We win by 40. This week we get, well, no points from our wideout and no points from our running back, but we get 35 from our quarterbacks and we lose by 20. Welcome to the world of fantasy football, where you just don't know what's going on. And for the first time in my life, playing fantasy football, each of my teams is playing on opening weekend of the playoffs. I don't have any buys. I don't know about you, Seth. You, I believe you have six teams, which is two teams more than me. And I seem to remember a couple of years ago you making fun of me for having six teams, so I do likewise to you. Um, do you have – are you in bye week heaven, or are you playing every, every team this week? Um, well, yeah, no, I, I, I deserve it, but I'm also married with two kids and have no life. So this is, this is what I do. Um, I made the playoffs with five out of six teams. Only one of them has a bye. Okay. I had a chance with two other teams and they both lost this week, which would have been so, um, but yeah, I have one team. Um, I was the second seed. I lost with my three best teams this week, which is weird because each team was, had at least nine wins. Well, I guess no. I guess ours didn't. But uh, no, it's but it's been a pretty good run for me this year, though. So five playoff teams. I'm favored. I think in every action, I'm favored, and I believe every game. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, that's, good, that's definitely a, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's a good place to be. It's definitely better than where Ron Rivera is right now, which is on the unemployment huh? line, if you didn't hear. So I did. Ron Rivera I gets, he gets, and to me, and I know we talked about this the last couple of weeks, this is the end of Cam Newton in, in, in Charlotte, in Carolina. I think with Ron Rivera gone even more so, this is the end of, of this era, and Dave Tepper is going to hire a new general manager, which means Marty Herney is going to be out of a job. Ron Rivera is already out of a job, and I believe that Cam Newton will be, well, he's hurt, so he's out of a job now anyway, but I don't believe he gets that job back and we see a new regime in Charlotte. I don't disagree with you. Probably Greg Olson will retire as well. And the team will be built around Christian McCaffrey and, and as long as Luke Kuechly can stay healthy. And, you know, Kyle, Kyle Allen has done a nice job in Charlotte. I don't, in Carolina, excuse me. I'm not sure if he is the, I am sure they will bring in some heavy competition for him next year. Again, depending on who the coach is going to be, so it's impossible to gauge. But, um, you know, they're, they're, of all the teams that are going to be needing coaches, Washington, the Giants, um, obviously, you know, maybe, I don't think Chicago. I think Nagy will I, – I can't imagine they fire Nagy, but I'm, there's usually six or seven coaches uh, in an annual turnover. Um Carolina will probably be one of the most attractive ones, I would think. Oh, I would agree. I mean, look, they don't need very much in that team. I think they're, I think they need a line, and they need. I'm not even sure they go for a quarterback in the first round. If they, I mean, I'm going to say Kyle Petty, and I know his name is not Kyle Petty again. Ladies and gentlemen, I make this. I made this mistake this morning with Seth. I will make it again. What is this man's last name? Kyle what? Allen. Kyle Allen. So Kyle Allen, I'm not sure, is not the answer there. Uh, I I agree they will bring in some competition. They play Atlanta this week. Um, Perry Felwell, who you know all too well as an interim coach for the Giants, I believe, uh, is the interim coach now in Carolina. And they come to Atlanta to play the the hapless uh, Atlanta Falcons. There are a couple of very good games on the schedule this week. Baltimore goes to Buffalo, which I find to be a fascinating game, especially if it is cold and snowy. And we can see whether Lamar Jackson, who we did see play very well in the rain in San Francisco, uh, sorry, in Baltimore against San Francisco goes on the road to Buffalo, Buffalo would look very, very good. And after last week's game, Baltimore now has the top seed in the AFC. I'm not sure I wouldn't pick Buffalo to win this game, though. I think it's a different kind of game for Baltimore. It's on the they've, the big games that they've played this year, they haven't really been a favorite. They will be the favorite going to to Buffalo. Buffalo is an awkward team to play. They always uh, Sean McDermott's done a wonderful job there. Their defense is solid. Josh Allen is a different kind of quarterback. 
not quite the runner that Lamar Jackson is, but as fantasy people know, he, he do, he's not afraid to use his legs. John Brown has been just about the best receiver in the AFC this year. They kind of have that two-prong old man, young man attack with Singletary and Gore running the ball. It will be a, a close It'll be a 17-14-2016 kind of game, similar to the San Francisco score. So, um, to continue, so what I mean, you look at the other games, the other games, and the big one to me is is and this is a, it's, it's amazing to say this for a team that is that is ten and two. But San Francisco going to New Orleans is, for all intents and purposes, an incredibly important game for for San Francisco. With Seattle coming back and winning last night, not coming back, winning uh, in a really fun Monday night game over Minnesota, a game Minnesota team, considering their Thielen was out, Dalvin Cook went out, Diggs was injured, which is one of the reasons I lost one of my games this week by a point. Not that I'm angry. Um, but New Orleans already clinched the division and cruising towards the first round by, most likely. And you look, you look at San Francisco, suddenly at 10 and 2, they're not, I mean, New Orleans is 10 and 2 as well, but Seattle with the win. And has the tie break. Now, again, the tie break is meaningless without the second game happening. And they'll play in the next couple of weeks. But San Francisco doesn't want to get a game behind because suddenly you're looking at a wild card. And I don't know how comfortable. I mean, you're, any 49er fan is ecstatic with the year that they've had so far. But with the hope of being able to go further, the idea of going to Green Bay or going to Minnesota, not that attractive. Now, again, you may end up going to Dallas and the way Dallas has played. And we'll talk about that when uh, Sean comes back. He had to step off for a minute. Um, New Orleans is cruising. You know, they, they, there's no pressure on them from a divisional standpoint. The pressure, the reality is that this is probably, if it's going to be a, another, if New Orleans is going to make another title run, this is it. Breeze is in his 40s. The running game, Kamara has not been great, but it's it's been a it's been solid. Michael Thomas is straight out the best receiver in football this year. Their defense has been really good. This is the year for them to make the run, and to make the run is kind of seems sounds like a, a weird way to put it because they went to the look they went to the conference championship last year, lost on an let's be blunt they lost because of an awful pass missed pass interference call the year before. They lose on a last second, I mean last second, 70-yard catch by Stephen Diggs or the defender, the rookie defender, Marcus Williams, just made a bad play. They win that, they go to Philadelphia, and they probably win, they probably win that game. Um, so New Orleans, and to cement, and Breeze doesn't need his legacy cemented. He already goes down as an all-time great at first out hall. But it's a... It, it should be a fun game, if nothing else. I'm curious to see how San Francisco is going to bounce back from, admittedly, a little bit of adversity. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. And that should be a fun game. 
And let's, those are the two that, that kind of stick out for me more than anything else. Because, I mean, if you are a New York – now, the problem with being a New York sports fan right now is our teams are just brutal. There's no way to put it. There's no nice way. And the bigger question is, is one coach going to be out in, in, North, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, or two coaches going to be out in North in East Rutherford, New Jersey? I'm assuming Adam Gates will keep the job despite losing by 16 to the Bengals. Now, and they're 4-9 officially out of the playoffs which anyone really knew a month ago. Um, they need wideouts. They need line. They need offensive line help. Sam Donald was not good. And Andy Dalton, who congratulations for um, uh, breaking Kenny Anderson's record for most career touchdown passes by a Cincinnati Bengal. I mean, those are the two games that really look great. And then, of course, the 430 game. Actually, there's a bunch of games this week. Kansas City, New England is the 430 game. New England needing to bounce back after a misleading 28-22 loss is the best way to put it. Um, they were down 28-6 with about five minutes to go. Kind of two gimme touchdowns, which Sean, if he was on the call right now, would be cursing left and right, saying, damn, James White. I'm sure with the first word wouldn't be damn. Um, Kansas City will we'll, we'll clinch the division pretty quickly, but the idea is also they want to get a bye. And when you're Absolutely. looking at Baltimore at 10 and 2, and you're looking at the, the Patriots at 10 and 2, Kansas City being two games back, to have any chance at a bye realistically, they need to win this game. There's no real choice in the matter. Yeah, yeah agreed. No question about it. Thanks for covering for me for a little bit. Uh, I totally get it. So, what did you think about? Let's move on to a different game. What did you think of San Francisco? So you saw San Francisco play Baltimore to basically a standstill, right? Garoppolo played pretty well. We know that the good part is, if we saw anything out of that game, Emmanuel Sanders is his number one target. So we know that we could play Emmanuel Sanders going forward in our league if we wanted to. They go to New Orleans this week, which I think is a loss. I, think, I, I, I don't think they're going to come out with a win. Richard Sherman's hurt. I, and then they fall behind two games. And just because they lost and Seattle won, they actually are the number five seed now, which You just missed really my exact conversation call. for the five minutes you were off. Oh, darn it. Okay, forget that. That's one. okay. Although I'm not willing to, to concede it as a two-game thing because, look, it's not as if Seattle swept San Francisco. Seattle beat San Francisco, which means they're playing again in the next couple of weeks. If San Correct. Francisco, if Seattle wins that game, they're going to win the, the division anyway. And if San Francisco Correct. wins the game, wins the game, then both teams are ten, have three losses at a minimum, and you go from there. Again, well, based provided on, that San Francisco beats New Orleans this week. You no, know, based on San Francisco losing to New Orleans, then they would both have three losses. So, oh, correct. It's, correct. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I'm with you. But what, what was the most painful? I'll tell you, it, it, it's and what San Francisco does not want is they do not want to be. Even though they beat the living Jesus out of Green Bay two weeks ago, they are. I don't think they want to go to Green Bay in January no. in the snow. Well, nobody wants to go to Green Bay in January in the snow. <laughs> I do. Yeah, uh, I want oh. to go to Green Bay because that would mean my team was relevant. 
I watched Green Bay play the Giants in the snow. It was fun if you were a Green Bay fan. Well, it was By also way, fun if you if you. It, what's that? The most painful part about this weekend, though, is I had to watch in, on the instead of the Kansas City San instead of the San Francisco game, I had the Giants yeah. on one on Channel Five and the Jets on Channel Two. Agonizing. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought there for a second. I really lost my train of thought. I have no idea what I was about to say. Oh, what what impre- what was fun to watch, at least for the Giants, is not necessarily their play in Green Bay, but Fox having to superimpose the yard line on top of the field because nobody could tell where the heck they were on from a viewing point of view. I found that to be fascinating. It wasn't the glowing puck. It was just superimpositions of the yard lines on top of the snow, of which Troy Aikman repeatedly, and as did the, um, the guy on red zone, I can't, Andrew Siciliano, yep, uh, repeatedly yep. says, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see the yard lines. Those are not, those are not being faced through the snow. Those are actually being superimposed. I did enjoy that. But let's talk about a, a couple of other games here that go on this week, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, some bigger games. Tennessee and Oakland. And I know you're saying Tennessee and Oakland isn't a big game. Well, it actually is a big game for the last wild card spot. And Seth, to your point uh, of a couple of weeks ago where you said we have to think about protecting Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry has 1,700 yards over his last 16 games. 1,700 yards. I believe that leads the NFL. So you may be very, you may be spot on that we may have to look into him. But they looked incredible in the fourth quarter. Not that Tannehill did very much, but they were dominating that game. And them going to Oakland with a playoff, with a playoff seed on the, on the, in the balance, because Oakland needs to make up a game since they just lost to Kansas City. Kansas City goes against New England. So that, that may be the game right there. But Tennessee just looks really good. You, you have to believe that Houston probably has that number, has the division wrapped up. But nobody's playing better than Tennessee right now. Well, well maybe Baltimore, first, but everybody else. <laughs> first of all, Tennessee is one game behind Houston. So I, I don't know what the, I'm just looking quickly at the divisional records. Houston is three and one. Tennessee is two and two. So okay. I don't know if they, I don't know how many times they've played each other this year and who's won. So I'm not going to look that up right now. But yeah, I mean, right now Pittsburgh and Tennessee are tied with for the final playoff spot. And props to Pittsburgh, having lost their quarterback, their running back, and their top wide receiver. Um, their two top receivers. The first one didn't come back this year. <laughs> Well, then their top two running backs because their running back didn't come back either. So That's they, they yeah. lost their top quarterback. Their backup quarterback was benched because he was so bad. Their second running back, who James Conner, we all love, but he has not been James Connerish this year. And Juju Schuster has not been Juju, the Juju of 17. Has not, has and not had Juju. Yeah, they did not have enough juju. This this team is seven and five. Is a testament to Tomlin, and 
one of my not so great picks, I think, of Dupree was that Tomlin was going to be fired or was going to leave after this year. You did say that. Well, well I got to offer two minutes. Here, here's what happens when Seth picks a coach next year, put him down for coach of the year. When he picks the first coach to be fired, that's the coach of the year. <laughs> because I think that's actually happened a couple of years where you've done that. So, we, okay, and some other games that are making noise. S- Seattle at the Rams, where the Rams' playoff hopes are basically in the balance, right? Without, that, without this week, I don't think they have a shot. Sorry and about then, that one. Well, I was talking about uh, Seattle at the Rams on Sunday night. And without, without a win by the Rams, their, their playoff hopes are shot from Super Bowl yeah. to not going to the playoffs. Okay. So we, we're talking about a whole lot of uh, – we talked about the NFL for a little bit, but there were a couple of other games that were pretty important that happened on Saturday. And we'll get to how Michigan wins. We'll get to how Michigan wins later, but Jim Harbaugh loses his eighth in a row in pretty convincing bad fashion to those Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State clinching, at least to me, whether they win or lose this week, they are in the playoff. You agree? Yeah, there's no question. No question. So, so if I'm if I'm a betting man right now, which we do endorse betting on the show, I, I, I love how in the past, like for the past 40 years, 50 or 60 years, all radio shows have forever had to say, we don't endorse betting. Betting is not a good thing. And then fantasy football and all these states now allow betting. So not only do we bet, but we endorse it as well. So bet away. If I was a betting man, which I am, for? what's that? It feels like that. Though. Is that how long we've been hosting the podcast for? Sometimes it feels that way, dude. It, it really does. does but <laughs> it does feel that way. But, but the fact is, I, I'm so Ohio State's in. LSU is yes. in. Win or lose? Yes. yes. Win or lose? Yes. LSU yes. is in. So now we're now we're looking at the last two. Wisconsin oh. doesn't get in even if they win. Do you agree? Sure. Yeah, okay. Wisconsin's out. Georgia gets in if they win, but they don't get in if they lose. True. Okay. So, basically, if you and I are betting men, and we are, we're picking LSU and, and Ohio State to win their respective games. And now we have two openings in, these, in, the, in the college football playoff. Who is filling your two spots? Well, dude, Clemson. Okay. Well, there's one. Clemson's eleven and zero. Clemson gets it. 
Well, here's the question. Does Clemson, in, does Clemson get in if they win or lose? They're a 30-point favorite, so I really haven't given it a heck of a lot of thought. Um, I would say it depends on it depends on the rest of how on how the rest of the weekend goes. Okay, so we got the first two, which are win or loser in, irregardless of how the rest of the weekend goes. Right, LSU. Yeah. And Ohio State, win or lose, regardless of how anything else goes, they are in. Yes? Yes. Okay. But Clemson really depends on everything else. And Okay. So let's put Clemson in the three seed. Who is getting the proverbial four? So we, we decide it's not Wisconsin. We decided Georgia is losing. So I don't believe Georgia gets that with two losses. So who, who is in – that spot. It's to me. It's a it's a two and a half team race is the best way to put it. Um, I love how we have half teams. Is it just the special do. teams, or is it the special teams and the defense, or is it the offense and the special teams? Here's the problem. If my feeling is it, it's a two team, is for all intents and purposes a two team race. It's, it's, it's Oklahoma or it's Utah. And I think you can go in either direction with that. But, but the problem is neither team has really – now, Oklahoma did beat Texas, and they did beat Baylor. Oklahoma's beaten three ranked teams. Utah, and they, but their they're losses to, I think, like a seven and four um, – uh, Kansas State team. Utah is number six or number five. I guess it doesn't really matter for our purposes. And their loss, their only loss is to USC, who is again a better team, a, a a pretty decent. But they're eight and four. They're about to fire their coach. Not great. Not a great USC team, and that's where you'll see a lot of the big names come out. Supposedly, Clay Helton is going to be out. So I'm just pointing up quickly who Utah has beaten, who's been ranked. Arizona State was 17, and that's it. So if Oklahoma's best win is over Baylor, and Baylor is who Oklahoma's playing in the national, playing in the Big 12 championship game. Correct. I think it's whoever... Utah plays Oregon, who's number 10 or 11 or something like that, and is 10 and 2. I think whoever is more impressive, assuming Utah and Oklahoma win, I think whoever is more impressive of the two will get in. Um, okay, well, all, well, let's, now, play, de- let's play devil's advocate for a second. Let's play devil's advocate for a second. What if Baylor wins? If Baylor wins. In convincing wins, fashion. Convincing if Baylor fashion. Wins, in convincing fashion. Oh man, I think they may go Georgia. Right? Really? With a two-loss Georgia? Here's the problem. I'm pulling a Baylor's schedule for this year. Yep. I and think they have one loss, right? Baylor has one loss. They lost to Oklahoma, and they blew that. They should have won that game. Here is right. Baylor's. So I'm t- 
I'm saying they're avenging that that loss. They they have a one loss. They're avenging that loss. Baylor's out-of-conference schedule. Stephen F. Austin, who is better known as a basketball – They they did beat Duke, but that was in a different sport. (laughs) Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. The University of Texas San Antonio. I believe that is Michael Stray – I believe that is Michael Strahan's alma mater. It may very well be. But Michael Strahan okay. ain't walking through that door down in San Antonio. Either is Tim Duncan. <laughs> and Rice. So pretty much what you're doing is you are rewarding a team for playing nobody. Mm-hmm. Everything that they have had. I'm looking through this. Except for, the, except for Kansas and Kansas State. Although they did beat Texas impressively, but these teams they've beaten they beat Texas Tech by three, Iowa State by two, West Virginia by three, TCU by six. They beat nobody, and that's the problem. It's a look. I can I can get I can get behind that. I'm just having a hard time now. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, that also assumes that B- Baylor beats Texas, but that also assumes that Utah be- loses to Oregon. Because if Baylor beats Texas and Utah no, wins, Baylor Utah's Oklahoma. it, Baylor right? Sorry, Baylor beats Oklahoma. Baylor beats Oklahoma. If Baylor yeah. beats Oklahoma and Utah wins, Utah's it. I mean, I don't think there's yeah. any, any question. There's no question. I, I'm telling you now, no. I, think you, I think Utah goes, whether or not Oklahoma wins. Because doesn't Oklahoma have that same problem that Baylor has? There's just nothing not the there. Same. Not well. So does Utah. That's the problem. I mean, you look at here. I'll pull up. I'm going to pull up Utah's schedule. They're eight and one. They're eleven and one. Yep. And their loss was at USC by six. Like not a terrible loss. Okay. Now, not a terrible. They loss. did play BYU. They did play BYU, which is not a bad team. They also played mm-hmm. Northern Illinois and the home of Michael mm-hmm. Turner, but not much else. And Idaho State, home of I have no idea. And the rest <laughs> of their games, they lost at USC by seven. But they've also, you look at the scores of their games, they've just been more impressive. And not that scores per se are, are, should be the defining factor, but they beat Washington State, which is Who's had a tough year, but they're still they're a Mike Leach team by 25. They beat Arizona State, who's ranked seven, who's seven and five by by 18. They beat Cal by 35. They beat Washington, which is at Washington, which is a damn impressive win by five. And we'll have to talk about Chris Peterson leaving. You know, they beat UCLA, yep. who's been better this year, a little bit better this year by 46. These are better wins than what Baylor has. Oklahoma got stuck. Because they played Houston, and that Houston was supposed to be good this year, and they they fell apart for a variety of reasons. So it's a really, really tough call. Between okay, those well, three. here's another Between question those two. You, I think that the Pac-10 generally gets overlooked. I think East Coast bias is real. I think in most cases it is deserving, but it is real. And I think in some ways, when was the last time, I, I know you have USC, 
when was the last time, and maybe I'm missing something, Oregon, that a West Coast team played in these playoffs? It must have been Oregon, right? No, I think it was actually Washington. And Washington how, played how long ago was three that? Years ago. Three years ago? Three years ago. So, so, so in three years, there hasn't been a West Coast team. I yeah. get the whole Big 12. I get the whole Middle America. But I got a feeling if you're, if you're going to reward a team, I think some of that television market comes into play. And I think that having a West Coast team definitely helps that, even if it is Utah. I, I think Utah I think Utah takes that fourth slot of everything being equal. I'm interested in your take on Georgia though. Because I get the fact that they have really, really good wins. And I get the fact that they would have lost only to LSU and to USC, and that's the Gamecocks, not the Trojans. But two a two lost team has never played in the playoffs. And I, I get it. This is the year of the new and everything that has never happened, Mariano Rivera, will suddenly happen. But can you really see a two-loss team making the playoffs over, A, a one-loss Baylor, a one-loss Oklahoma, a one-loss Utah? Not over any of the – not over the last two. Um, but if Georgia loses, say, 30-27 in overtime, one of those yeah. types of games. Yeah. You look at, I mean, we give lip service to who Georgia has beaten. This is who Georgia has beaten. They went to, they won at, they beat Notre Dame. They beat yeah. who is number seven. Beat Florida who is number six. They beat Auburn who is number 12. They beat A&M. Those are, four, those are three top 15 wins. Now again, they would have a horrendous Wait, but, loss without. Hold on, but but to be fair, we we penalized. We were only talking out of conference schedule when it comes to the other teams. We weren't talking in conference schedule. They beat. So, they beat Notre Dame. I get they beat Notre Dame. I get that part. I get it. So they have one top ten win, out of conference. Well, how many I, out of conference? How many out of, good out of conference games do you get usually by a team? There's only that's simply true. they don't play more than one. That that is a very valid point. That's a very valid point. Okay, so let's move on. So 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 we see where we're at. We have definitely two, probably three, with a thirty point lead, a thirty point uh, favorite in the ACC championship game with Clemson, and then. Like you said, two and a half teams, right? Well, me, really, three and a half at this point. Baylor, Oklahoma, Utah, and you're calling for maybe Georgia. If, again, depending on how the game is lost. Right. Agreed. I, just, Agreed. I have a real problem with Baylor going, having – Beaten, having those as the out of conference schedule. But to be fair, the other argument is they would have one loss and they would have avenged it. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. not so, an easy call. So you brought up Chris Peterson a couple of minutes ago. Chris Peterson goes from Boise State six or seven years ago, makes Boise State 
basically a powerhouse, at least a group five powerhouse, where they are able to move into a power conference, which they did. Without Chris Peterson, they don't move into a power conference. That certainly does not happen. And now he, six and a half years, six, seven years later, he resigns due to what he calls stress. And there's no reason not to believe him. He's 55 years old. I wish I could go out at 55 with the amount of money that he has earned and the respect that he has earned. I, I'm not sure I like the fact that he named his successor as the defensive coordinator so quickly and that, quite frankly, he's earning a lot of money for a first-time coach, $4 million a year. What are your thoughts on the well, successor? Well, Jimmy Lake was – the reason they were able to keep Jimmy Lake was – I'm assuming this was already – this was a coach-in-waiting, quote-unquote. Okay. Um, he has had other head coaching opportunities. Supposedly, he could have taken the Colorado job. So my assumption is he knew, while he may not have been 100% sure it was this year, he knew that this was not going to be, this was going to be, this was going to happen in the next couple of years. He's a pretty dynamic guy. He's He's so highly thought of that literally he was the defensive backs coach and jumped to the defensive coordinator where he become a co-defensive coordinator. And the guy who was a prior defensive coordinator was happy to bring him in as a co-defensive coordinator. And he's going to remain as a defensive coordinator if Blake becomes the head coach. He's, okay. There doesn't, it doesn't really seem to be an obvious reason not to go with someone when you have somebody, it's like a Lincoln Riley for Bob Stoops kind of deal. Fair. That's the thought. Look at the secondary Look at how many people have come out of Washington in the last five years in the second at a secondary players who have been in the first two rounds. There have been about four or five of them. So yeah. the question I have is if US is Peterson doing this I, I don't I'm a, my assumption is Peterson is not doing this to jump to look at USC. That's my guess. Well, that would be poor form, like ridiculously poor form. It would be. Um, now, well, he, if, uh, I'm sorry, just to cut you off, he has a senior advisory role, not to say that that is a non-compete concept, but he did move into a senior advisory role at, at Washington. So he has another job. Yeah. Um, but I'm not too. So you believe we're going to see Chris Peterson again? It may not be at USC, but you don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. I think I think he needs a two or three year recharge, and then inevitably, Ryan Kelly, Jim Harbaugh, Chip Kelly gets fired at UCLA. He'll get if he wants if he wants the monster job, he'll get it. The question is, is he really? I mean, this is a guy who turned down how many offers? 
I, I'm assuming the number is countless. And then ended up taking a job at Washington. You know, not like a nice job, but not a job that he's a Mark, he's Mark could have gone higher. He's yeah. Mark Few. So he may he's not Dana want, Altman. Right? I mean, no, Dana Altman had a bunch of you know, Dana Altman's had a bunch of jobs. No, but I'm saying he when he moved to when he moved from Creighton, he moved to Washington, right? Or Oregon? Oregon. Okay, so what I'm saying is he got offered other jobs before Oregon. Bigger jobs. And he took the smaller job. Uh that's that's all I'm saying. Like he didn't he didn't yeah. these guys didn't jump to the big job, the the huge Ohio State job, the huge huge Michigan job. But let let's move on to another coach because we have we have some college basketball to talk about real quick. You live in New Jersey. I, w- I was shocked to find out that Greg Schiano was actually offered the Michigan job before Rich Rodriguez. I had no idea that that was an offer. And he goes from Rutgers to Tampa, does okay, gets fired from Tampa, goes to Ohio State, supposedly was hired by Tennessee, but then there were secondary thoughts and there was a whole lot of ru- rumor and innuendo about Penn State and how his association was there. He gets hired by the New England Patriots as the defensive coordinator, quits within a week, and now winds back up in Rutgers with an eight-year, $32 million contract after a whole lot of, we're going to leave you at the altar. What is the sense in New Jersey at this point for this guy? Because I get that he went 500 in the Big East. I, I was in school when, or right out of school when he brought Ray Rice and everybody else and Rutgers to the pinnacle. But that was the pinnacle of the Big East. This is the pinnacle of the Big Ten that he's looking for. It's the – I think the thought process is – how much better are they going to get? Who are they going to get better than him? There's nobody. That's 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 the thought. Is he led this team to a top five ranking? They were number two or number three in the country at one point. Now, is the expectation that he that's going to happen again? No. But and I don't look. I don't think anyone can save Rutgers. Not in that division with Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State and Penn State. No one is saving that team, I don't think. But you might as well go with the guy who got you there once because at least he's won there before. And, you know, you brought in Chris Ash. Chris Ash was defensive coordinator of Ohio State. You know, they they brought in other – nobody else has come even remotely close to the success that Chiano has. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go for it? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make the run at that run at him? To me, it's common sense. And okay. the Jersey's happy. I mean, they're they're happy. Now, does, does New Jersey really care? Is a whole other, relatively speaking, it's Rutgers. You know, most of the people, most people that don't stay in state, or there's no real loyalty to that team. Yeah, you see what happens. 
but I think it was the right move. Okay. Okay. Well, Michigan lost on one round, but they definitely played this song. Now, Seth, we went through a week of – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh, a complete week of ascension from – walk us through the Michigan basketball week because it's – they started unranked. They wound up yesterday at number four, and if they beat Louisville tonight, they will ascend to number one. So walk me through what happened this week with, with Michigan basketball because it's the quickest the quickest ascension I've seen. Well, I mean, it's relatively simple. They played three top ten teams. Or two top ten teams. And they beat them both really badly. And preseason schedule, first of all, preseason teams games don't mean that much. Or not preseason, early. Nobody knows who's really good to begin with. So preseason rankings are relatively meaningless. Duke loses to Stephen F. Austin. Yes, that really happened. Kentucky lost to Evansville. Michigan State lost to a rebuilding Virginia Tech team. So all these teams that were one, two, three, four have all taken, all taken a seat. So for Michigan to beat Creighton, to beat Iowa State, and then to beat North Carolina and Gonzaga convincingly, nobody has that record. So nobody's done been that good this year. Nobody's nobody has beaten that level of competition so far this year. They absolutely should beat the top. I told you I thought they would be top five when we had this discussion yesterday. I thought they would jump to number five. That's the top five. And you're right. If they beat Louisville, they will probably the Big Ten will probably be one too. And you know what? It's early, but it would be well deserved. Now, are they as good any? as this? Well, are no. they this good? Well, no. I don't look. Look, you can get to number one. You can get to the top five and be this good, right? Where do you where do you foresee? Well, let me ask you something very, very quickly then. They are number four now in the nation. By March, let's say March 1st, where are they going to be? Somewhere between 15 I think and that's 20. a good – okay. So they are this good. Look, so I, I was speaking to some people, knowledgeable people at my gym this morning who are SEC fans. And they were talking about Michigan. They were talking about Duke. They were talking about all these basketball teams, which is a very rare instance in which SEC country talks about basketball at all. But they did. And we were all of the same opinion. You're, one through 20, as long as there is not a dominant team, makes no difference once you get to the tournament. You just have to get there. So, all right, they're going to be in the top 15. They are, well, right now they're number four. That's, that's basically one loss away. 
right? It conceivably could be one loss. Not to Louisville. Let's say they lose to Louisville. They'll probably drop down to, what, eight next week if it's just Louisville and the other teams win? Probably one not that loss far. gets them down. Okay. So there are probably two or three losses from 15 to 20. That's, yeah. They're, they, are, they are a good team. They are a legitimately good team. They're not an unranked team. And it looks like Juwan Howard's getting them to play his type of ball, which is surprising from a first-year coach. Yeah, it is. But Howard comes in with A, name recognition, B, credibility, C, Bill Martelli, I believe, is his assistant coach. So he has an, he an expert projectors and those guys. Bill Martelli was the head coach of St. Joe's for, what, 30 years? Took him to the Final Four? Yep. And, you know, Xavier Simpson is a talent. It's not like the team has no talent left. You know, Isaiah Livers has been very good. Like, they, they're a good team. Now, if they remain this good, I mean, not this good, they're not going to remain this good, but, you know, you're looking at four or five top 15 potential teams in the Big Ten. Michigan State is excellent, although they've had a tough start to the year. Maryland is very good. Ohio State is, is pretty damn good. So it, it means it's a good, you know, it's an unexpectedly solid start. What does it mean? Not much, but it's a starting point. No, it's complete, completely agree. I was... But gave Michigan fans something to root for after, after beating North Carolina and then losing to Ohio State. And another statistic that came up during my weekend was that Jim Harbaugh has won the third most games since he has started at Michigan than any coach in the NCAA. Hmm. Which surprised me. Well, one is Saban. Two is Dabo, I guess. I guess so. Well, remember, Urban Meyer's not in that conversation because he hasn't coached in the last two years. Well, that's why those would be the logical picks for me. Right. Well, I, I don't know who won and two are. But let, let's move on to something else very quickly because we, we're coming up on our last five minutes. John Hines was fired today. John Hines, the coach. Uh, I know we don't talk about hockey very much here on the show, especially when Seth is actually on the show. That's generally when I talk about hockey. But John Hines, the New Jersey Devils coach, and this is why I'm talking about it, what is this? Look, I know hockey is not a – it's a metropolitan sport in the New York City area. The Devils probably number three amongst the three teams, maybe two. What is the sense around John Hines or his firing, or is there no sense and nobody cares? I didn't know he was even fired. When did it happen? <laughs> it happened about oh, 20 be minutes fair, it before. Happened, uh, it happened 20, a half hour ago. Um, no, no, no. I get that. My my point was I wasn't talking about just the firing. I was talking about the devils and their slow start more than anything else. I, I'm sorry. I did not mean to put you on the spot as to the sense of New uh, Jersey as to the firing. They are, the devils have certainly been a disappointment. They have been. You know, they brought in Subin. They drafted Jack Hughes. You know, Taylor Hall is back. 
They had the first pick last year uh, with Nico Hussie. I mean, and they're what nine nine and thirteen, ten and twelve, something like that. You know, they've not been very good, and at a certain point, you can't be you can't be terrible forever and continue to coach and continue to coach. It just doesn't work that way. There were also rumors that Hines and, and Taylor Hall do not get along. And right now, Taylor Hall, the, Ray Shero, the GM of the, of the Devils, has fielded, or at least listened, I think the word was listened, I don't think he has fielded, offers for Taylor Hall being the number one free agent after this year. And maybe this is a way to... Um, acquiesce to what Taylor Hall might want as opposed to what John Hines might want. You take one side rather than the other. It is just a very, very, um, it'll be an interesting saga because I don't think the Devils could go, the Devils need to learn from the John Tavares side and not walk away with nothing for Taylor Hall. Right. I think this is a way to hopefully get him to sign on the dotted line. Not really sure that's going to work all that well, but that right. is definitely a way to look if at. If they haven't learned from Tavares or from Anthony Davis or from, you know, in any sport, that if you have a guy, if you have a star who's not happy and is not going to resign, it's better to get seventy-five percent, seventy-five cents on the dollar, or sixty cents on the dollar than nothing. Zero. You're not winning yeah. the cup this year. You're probably not making the playoffs considering you, the only team worse than you is Detroit in your conference. So, I mean, look, there's, you're, there's a third of the way through the season. At this point, the St. Louis Blues last year were one of the worst teams in the league as well. So, you know, yeah. weirder things have happened, but St. Louis had a lot of talent. New Jersey's still pretty far away. Well, so, the one thing that New Jersey is lacking, Seth, is, is between the pipes. I mean, they just... The no more you saw that no more than with St. Louis and the Islanders last year. You need as much as you need a quarterback in the NFL. You need a solid goalie in in the NHL. And Corey Snyder has a huge amount of money owed to him, but is not that guy anymore. Oh, I cannot remember the backup's name, but he's a backup for a reason. He's not that guy either. And. I think the only reason that the Devils are flying under the radar, or one of them, is the Knicks are just so bad. The Knicks are 4-16. and 16. It, is, it is decrepit. Okay, we're in our last five minutes, sir. Please, uh, if you would. Well, first off, just as, as Sean, I often give mad props to some of his friends uh, over the years for their talent. Uh, big love to Mimersky out in Colorado. Love you, hon. Uh, props, props on winning your family, family and friends league, and for doing so well in the in your pickup league. Back sports page will be making you an offer as much as they pay me. Um, <laughs> which admittedly is not a heck of a lot, but that's okay. We do it for the that's love of the fantastic. game. That's um, Love of the game. Josh Shaw. I don't even know where oh. to begin with this. This is the guy who made up that he saved a guy, a kid's life years ago when he was at USC. And now he 
has been suspended indefinitely. He's on IR, but he's been suspended for gambling, including on his own team. And the genius, not only did he try and did he not really try and hide it, when they when Caesars asked places one of his <laughs> wager, they asked what his profession was, and he said professional football player. Wow. Uh, what made you think that this was like, that this was this was going to be okay? To place a parlay on your own team and against to, your own team, against your own team, against your own team, uh, on your own team's game. Jesus Christ! I mean, really? So you know, it's just as well he's on the IR because I don't really see him coming back anytime. I'll see him playing again anytime soon. So. Well done, sir. I, I I I have no words, which doesn't happen too often. If and I could bring up the clip, I'd bring up Forrest Gump's "I am not a smart man." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and quick props, because just because no one really saw this coming. You know, Car- Carmelo Anthony, who was gonna who was gonna retire if Portland didn't make an offer, if he didn't get an offer, and he was just named the Western Conference Player of the Week. And look, he's not mellow 2009 or 2012, but as a supplemental, you know, and he he did get a bad rap with New York. That was all, you know, and he kind of kept his mouth shut on it. So good for him, and hopefully he can help Portland kind of rebuild back into a playoff contender considering where they were last year. It's been a hell of a disappointment this year. And I'm glad that, you know, he's, he's not going to get the walk away that Wade got or James will get, nor should he, but hopefully he'll be able to go out on his terms, which is all you can really ask for in, in a profession. So good for him. Well, it's funny with two minutes to go, I'll make this very quick. Number one, Carmelo is the, is the exact player he was in 2009, 2012. Just on defense, but on bunch. True. Okay, still is a walking turnstile. Absolutely a walking turnstile. But here's your props. If we're talking NBA, here's your props to two players who have lit up the first quarter of the season. Luka Donich, who is is doing things that 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds do on PlayStation, averaging a triple-double as a 20-year-old, I don't think I even did that on PlayStation as a 20-year-old, and he's doing that in the NBA. And as LeBron said, he is one bad mofo. So that's number one. Number two, look, I respect defense more than I respect offense when it comes to the NBA. Always, always have, always will. But you have to respect what James Harden does. James Harden is putting up numbers that no player in history has ever done except for Will Chamberlain, but he's doing it in an entirely different way. The beard is amazing, and I don't think he gets enough respect. I really don't. Can't play a lick of D, but he's better than Carmelo ever was on the offense. Okay, we'll talk next week with our Heisman projection, which I think is only one name, and we'll talk uh, NCAA uh, playoffs. We'll, we'll pick our four. Well, we'll get to our four. For oh, we have our year review our decade in review. Oh, we yeah, we got to do that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll get that going. 
Uh, for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, and we will see you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Go Terps. <laughs>